0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.
1: This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours.
0: To Business Executive Interviews, brought to you by Flevy.com. Improve the growth and efficiency of your organization by leveraging Flevy's library of business frameworks and analysis tools. For more information, visit Flevy.com. That's F L E V Y, Flevy.com. Peter D.G. Marino is a professional CEO with more than 30 years of success leading businesses that target tight public and private markets around the world. In addition to running companies, he serves public, private, and private equity-owned and venture-backed software and service firms as an advisor and or board member and has consistently helped them to achieve their potential to perform and grow as businesses. He's a leader who serves and has served in the role of CEO CEO and he really knows how to develop and lead teams of high-powered, driven professionals. And he is, of course, a contributor to the Flevi.com platform. Peter, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
0: So, Peter, I know that high on your... First of all, I I did want to ask you about your background, and and, you know, I gave a little bit of a bio intro, but it's much more fascinating for uh, you to tell us kind of what led you to the work you're now doing, as opposed to uh, me stumbling through a, a biography. So, uh, if you will, just give us a, sort of the arc of the, or the narrative of how you uh, landed where you are today.
2: Well, sure. I uh, I grew up in uh, New England, the oldest of a of a large family, actually a whole generation uh, of of Italian Americans. I went to uh, University of Massachusetts and studied uh, three different majors: computer science, economics, and math, all rolled into one. And in those days, uh, there was there was no undergraduate in computer science, so I just took the master's program. And I figured out at the end of all that that the one thing I was missing was, was you know, how do you put all this together to generate value in in the world, and decided to go on for a master's degree in business, which I was lucky enough to be able to do at MIT Sloan School. And on my way into the Sloan School, that summer before, before classes started, I, I came across a study of a survey, actually, of uh, people who had graduated from Sloan 20 years previously. And the question that, was, that struck me as most interesting was, what was the course of study that you had a little bit of it, at MIT, Sloan, but wish you had more of? <laughs> and off the charts was this thing called organization development, which I had never even heard of. And I didn't know what it was, but I knew if that many people thought it was the most important thing that they should have had more of, that I should have all that I could while I was there. So while I was a graduate student there, I got to study under some of the leaders in the field. And I took, of course, the full regular major program, but also concentrated in strategy, management information systems, and organization development. And um, I think that was one of the smartest things I've ever done, because not only did I know how business was supposed to work, I learned a lot about how to get people to work together to make that happen, and and spent my whole career putting into practice what I learned. And guess what, it really works. It's incredible.
0: Amazing. And it's been said, Peter, that, uh, you know, the businesses are run by people, not the other way around. Uh, And, of course, you had a tremendous handle on systems and sort of the academic theoretical approach. But really getting in there and and moving people to execute, it sounds like that was really a major shift for you and uh, really brought you to where you are.
2: Right. Getting people to work well together is sort of an like essential element of my, my, the arc of my career and success has been most of where anywhere I go, finding a way to make it about an organization or a group of, a group of people working together towards a common goal uh, in, in a constructive, productive way that really works.
0: Peter, from your experience, and you've got a lot of it, let's focus on a few areas if we can, that you typically, and I don't know if there's a typical, but you'll walk into a scenario and there's a team and they're not functioning or there's there are challenges there. Where do you start with beginning to peel back the layers of what's not working for them and get them to move through that process into a performing team?
2: Well, what I find most often is that people have an awful lot on their mind about each other that they are not sharing with each other. Yeah at all, let alone in a constructive way. So what we do is find, we have developed a safe way for people to share what they're they're thinking about each other in a way that's constructive and additive and that allows people to benefit from what the others know about them to get on track for success. And uh, it's a remarkable process because we've found time and again that most, like I found it intelligent with the idea that leaders, their teams and their organizations needed help getting on track to achieve their potential to perform and grow. And oddly enough, the, the help that they need is often right there in their organization, but they don't know that it's okay to get it. One of the things to start with is that most leaders think it's a, it's a sign of weakness to need help from their own team or from the outside. And so they think that they're going to manifest themselves as more powerful, more effective leaders if they look strong, sort of. Uh, controlling taking and then not necessarily um, the least bit interested in what anybody inside the organization or outside the organization has to share with them that would be helpful in reality it's the opposite the most effective leaders tend to be those that know how to get input from the inside and from the outside consolidate that figure out what to do with that and decide to do something with it and even ask for help doing something with it to get on track for success I and mean, so it's just like uh Anybody suffering from any addiction first has to realize that they have a problem, they want to solve it, ask for permission to solve it, ask for help solving it and getting on track to solving it by doing things and getting feedback on what's working and what's not. Same thing's true for a leader with respect to the input from their team or from those that they get advice from on the outside. We're visiting with Peter D. G.
0: Marino. He is with IntelliVen, if I'm saying that correctly, it's dot. I v n t e l l i v e n dot comtelvan dot com and he, of course, is an active contributor to the flevy dot com platform. We're talking about organizational development and team development. it's It's fascinating to know that for a leader, th- the answers are often right in front of them within uh, in the room with the team that they're developing. and they don't have all the answers, and that's a profound <laughs> that's kind of a profound theme. Uh, around all of this, I noticed some some language in in our uh, prep here, and I wanted to unpack this a little bit. Companies have startup phases and then they begin to mature and move into a series A, a series B or they you know move into a, a larger organization. What are some of the challenges you've observed through those kinds of transitions internal to an organization that would be interesting to highlight?
2: yeah, I have found over over the years that organizations progress. Through more, five more or less well-defined stages of evolution: mm. concept, to startup, credible, sustainable, mature. And at each phase, there's characteristics that dis- describe and define the stage. And there are different things that the leaders tend to be worried about in that phase, in getting on to the next phase, and different things that are required of a leader and a leadership team in each phase. Mm. In, in the concept to startup phase, you know, you're you're about you know pulling together your ideas and maybe getting your first funding and, you know, getting some clients and some people to prove that what you're doing can work and that you worry typically about making that proof that it works and surviving. How do I get the next dollar? How do I get the next resource to honor the commitment I've just made? And the problem tends to be focused because you're all over the place trying to figure out what to do next and anything that you can do that looks like it helps with funding or or, or meeting and responsibilities looks good, so you end up doing too many things. Yeah. The back end of that, when you start to say,, all right, here's the pony in all of this. This is the one we're going to ride into the future. Now you start to get the element, the beginning of the starting elements of the business to pull to pull that into that next credible phase. you need a plan, you need a team that each of the members of the team knows what it is that they're contributing to the whole. They're driven to achieve against a plan consistently for execution and growth and performance according to a plan, and now you're looking at delegation, direction, and in and, and, and setting who's supposed to be doing what. So think of it as going from jungle soccer, where everybody runs to the ball, to position play, where you have a role, to, and I have a role, and the other guy has a role, and we're all trying to figure out how to do it. And the, and the leader moves from everybody following the leader to the leader helping everybody be successful in their positions. Huge change in, in what's going on. And most leaders who went through concept to startup got there by being successful in what they were doing and don't realize that this phase change is important if you wanna set in the dynamics for growth. And uh, it's, it's a hard thing to figure out on your own. And anybody who was good at the first phases is not likely necessarily to be good at the next. So that's where sometimes you need to get some help from the outside.
0: I want to do inject a question for you about that change. It's been said and I think observed that sometimes the, the founders are not the best operational CEO types for the business to take it to the next level.
2: Well, really, that's, that's almost obvious because what, a leader, what, what, what an organization and a business needs from its leadership early on is this idea maker, zealot kind of a you know, doer. They go get stuff done. But to get to that scaling operating phase, you need to be a delegator, a direction setter, and a coach. So it moves from primarily about you to primarily about others, and so that's not an easy transition for most to make. A few make it, but most don't. I mean, you know, Gates brought in Balmer, right, for a reason. You know, yeah. and it's just a, a very common trend is for a, the enlightened CEO to realize it's not all about them. They don't have to be the ones to do it. Yep. It really takes a team. It's, it's it, and it's all about building that team. The good thing about being a CEO is you can do you can choose to do whatever it is you want to do but you better make sure that somebody else is in position to do everything else that needs
0: to be done. So much of this, Peter is, is emotional intelligence. You know, when you talk about how people work together and how they communicate, whether they communicate, how passive aggressive, are they direct all of these personality profiles that I'm sure you've encountered in the work you do at Intellivan. There's a line in your prep for me. uh, It's actually a question. Is it lonely at the top? And so I wanted to Mm -hmm. unpack that one as well.
2: Good question. And most people you hear say it is lonely at the top, but the reality is it's only as lonely as you let it be or want it to be. I think one of the most important things for a leader to get good at is is, is getting connected to others in a way that helps them be successful at, at the top in a not lonely way. By building their team on the inside, but connecting with people who have done what they're trying to do successfully elsewhere so that they can learn from them what works, what doesn't, what to watch to know how well you're doing, how to know when you're done, to get advice from of um, uh, board members who hold you accountable for what it is you say you're going to do, provide help with focus and strategy, and joining uh, a peer group of leaders trying to do something similar to what you're doing but in a different space so its not competitive. All of those resources are open to every leader in every position. Hardly any of our, 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 our leaders know instinctively or intuitively that that's a good thing for them to, to architect, to build. But, but with a, a little bit of help, you can see, of course it is, because it is lonely at the top if you don't take the time to architect that for yourself and provide a cocoon of support that helps you um, get the, get what you need to be successful in your role as a, as a growing leader.
0: I had a couple questions, Peter, about the work you do at IntelliVen as
2: mm-hmm. you
0: help organizations get on track. I mean, some of this is probably about the content of the plan, as you point out, what to measure, where the metrics are building and accountabilities into the plan itself, and some of it is about the people that are implementing the plan. So when you go in, how do you manage that dance, and and what does the process sort of look like?
2: Well, the the, the first thing we do is start with a sort of axiomatic premise that, as Peter Drucker used to say, the purpose of a business is to solve a problem for a customer. Well, that begs the question, what problem is this organization trying to solve, and, and who has that problem? Uh, So what we do is we ask each of the members of the top team to separately answer those questions using a template on our site and say, what problem do you solve? Who has the problem? And why did they choose you as the one to provide that solution? And and we ask each, let's say, three, four, or five leaders at the top, including the leader. And each of them fills it out, sends it in to us, and we consolidate the input. And what do you think the odds are that even two of those multiple responses will be close to each other. <laughs>
0: I can anticipate your answer from the yeah, way you're posing the rhetorical exa- question. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I find it takes you know, as much as 18 months to work oh. with the top top team in the board patiently over time to oscillate into the same articulation of the answer to those three questions. That's important because once everybody's trying to do the same thing, the odds of success go way up. But everybody might be saying the same words but thinking something different or, or even... You know, manufactured their own corner of reality in the in the operation and yeah, think yeah. they're helping, but they're really not. so yeah. what what we do is orchestrate that sort of structured process to get everybody it doesn't have to necessarily be right or best. It just has to be the same. yeah for starters. So everybody says the same things, thinking the same thing, and now we can make it good, better best.
0: So you really start with alignment around those three questions right uh, who who's what problem are you solving? Who's got it? And why would they choose you? I love that as a uh, simple as that. It's really, really simplistic.
2: Mm -hmm. And what we find when we go into a business, when we first look at it, oftentimes there's no business because they are thinking about primarily one or two of those dimensions. Like what they're doing is more important than who they're doing it for. Uh, Or or they they know they're familiar with the market, but not, you know, they wrap themselves around it, but not. business case as to why the market would choose them Uh, or they have too many we had one client where we went in and they were a six million dollar business and uh, when we did the, the study it turned out there were 11 different Definitions of the different things they were doing that fit the definition of what a business is <laughs> so the, their assignment was pick one Wow, they, they kicked us out and said no, we can't do that you know, we need to do all of these things a couple right. of weeks later they called back and said we decided you're right We need to pick one. <laughs> we don't they want say, everybody
0: right. as our customer, right?
2: Or we don't want to try to do everything for everybody, right? right. We do stuff. We got comes down to we do stuff for money um, But they said we do what we do what we do what we now finally see what you're saying We want to pick one which one? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, it doesn't really matter. They're all good businesses. Which one do you want to do? Which one do you think about last when you go to sleep at night? Which one do you think about first when you wake up? Which one do you lose track of time when you're in the middle of it? Yep. That's the, That's the one you should pick. Love that. Yeah. So sure enough, we you know they were a $6 million business. A few years later, we sold them for $35 million.
0: Beautiful. That's a good day. And you're working with a variety of businesses across many sectors.
2: Our stuff works everywhere. But if we were being proactive about looking for something to do, we will look principally for organizations that are serving large consumer markets. So a lot of our clients are companies that help telecommunications companies, financial institutions, or government agencies, because those, those markets are big and booming. There's lots of companies that are serving those client markets and in, in growing. But most often it has something to do with technology, usually software and or services, where there's either a consulting or a services on top of a platform of software, whether it's access to a SaaS Arrangement or on on premises, and uh, what we invest, we're we're intelligent, in the sense that we are invest intelligence. We invest wisdom, experience. Um, We we, we've been there, done that kind of kind of thing. So we when we lead with that, we get to be on management's team. The owner, operator, founder is typically our client, and we're on their team. When we if we were to lead with investment, and as in money we would all of a sudden have to be managed. Our perception of what's going on with money we've invested would have to be managed, and we don't want that. We want to be on management's team, helping them to achieve what it is they're trying to do that makes those who have invested in them glad they did.
0: Yeah, I understand that distinction. is profound and, and really necessary to really yeah. do the work right. Finally, as we wind out, Peter, talk to us a little bit about uh, what you're doing at Fluffy.com. What, what can we expect there in terms of authorship and contribution you make?
2: On our site we have a load of of content. It's been called uh, a, a mini university of mm. uh, of content to help leaders be be better at what they're trying to do. Uh, it's basically like there are libraries, there are there are, you know, brochure sites and there are, you know, retail sites where you buy stuff. Our site is a library. There's tons of content out there. There's tools, there's insights, there's posts that, you know, they, they elaborate all of that's there for anybody to come and get anytime they want. If they want help, they can, they can call us and we'll give them help free initially. And then we'll work out an arrangement to provide help over time in various ways. Yeah. When people want the original content, if they want, they, can we get a copy of this slide in PowerPoint so we can work with it? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like to give that away for, for free. Um, I do some of it, but there's a lot of a, a really good content. And I'm happy to have people use it, but I just want to get a little credit for it. So that is what we put available through Flevi. So the, the, the content, every all the content we have is available on our site, but it's in more or less PDF or web form. And if you want original source material that you wanna work with on your own, that to me is what Flevi is all about. Tapping into a, 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 an ever-growing foundation of consulting content that you can work with as if it was yours. And so we make our stuff available through Flevy for that purpose. And if anybody ever sees something on our site that they want of that sort, then let us know that if it's not already on Flevi, we'll put it there.
0: Excellent. Well, we appreciate the work you're doing at Flevi and over at your own consultancy, www.Intelliven is the company. Intelliven.com is the website. Peter DiGiamarino has been our guest. Peter, thanks so much for joining us.
2: It's great to be here and good luck to you. Thanks, David.
0: Thanks for listening to Business Executive Interviews brought to you by Flevy.com. Improve the growth and efficiency of your organization by leveraging Flevy's library of business frameworks and analysis tools. Find them at Flevy.com. That's F L E V Y, Flevy.com. Remember, you can hear more interviews like these by subscribing to the flevycom channel on YouTube or the Business Executive Interviews podcast on iTunes.